Well, good evening. My name is not Ken. <laughs> and I'm not even going to try to be. Um, if you don't know, Ken's out of town, and he asked me if I would speak, so I told him I would go over the announcements on Wednesday <laughs> for 45 minutes. So uh, if you're not here on Sunday, you guys are in for a treat. Um, no, my name is James. If you don't know me, I usually do the announcements on, uh, on Sundays, but uh, I, I do more than just that here at the church. I've been here for about three and a half years, and um, Ken asked me if I would speak. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you guys are wondering why I said yes, too. Um, but no, uh, I'm, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to really just share what I believe um, God has really just shown me through this week as it's been quite a, a week of wrestling. Um, it's been my week of spring break, and so I've um, been sleeping lots. Not really. Um, actually, for those of you who don't know, we just had a brand, new, a brand new baby come into our family. So if I start to go like this, it's not because I'm nervous, I promise. It's because... <laughs> Little baby Rue has her daddy wrapped around her finger, and so he will do anything to get her to sleep. So um, that's enough of that, though. Let's get into um, kind of what we want to talk about. I want to start off with, with sharing a story. Um, I don't live in England, so I'm not sure if it's true or not, but I think it illustrates a really good point. There's a story of a British, a British playwriter who decided to play a prank on a group of people in London. What he did was he wrote out a note, to the, uh, the same note to, to a group of famous men in London that said, everybody has found out what you are doing. If I were you, I would get out of town. Um, when we hear that story, regardless of, of anything else that's going on, it elicits some type of response. Um, as the story goes, this group of men, uh, they actually left town. Um, they were like, that's, that's it. Um, this may be an extreme response, but the truth is we all have or have had things that we prefer others not know about. We all have things in our lives, and how we deal with those things has a great amount of influence on the way that we live our life. And when we don't deal with our sin, it begins to snowball. Uh, the longer we wait, the further and further that we get away from living in truth. And this story, things got so bad that these guys are like, we're not even going to mess with it. Like, they found us out. Um, we're out of here. Um, it's a very extreme response just because they didn't even find out, you know, like, well, what is it? You know, what is it that you think you have on us? But uh, that's the funny thing kind of think about guilt is that it has a way of really dealing with us in that way. And uh, to me, the most tragic thing about that story is that it all could have been avoided. Uh, while there are many things um, in the passage that we're going to study tonight, I believe that one of the reasons that um, David wrote the psalm that he did was to really use his experience in being forgiven and, and experiencing God's forgiveness to really show others that there is a better way. If we go back to our story, if these men would have just dealt with their sin, if they'd just been honest with themselves and with everybody around them, they wouldn't have had anything to fear. Um, but as I said, when we don't deal with it, it begins to snowball and becomes overwhelming. Um, so that's what we're going we're gonna to look at, Psalm 32 tonight. Um, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and, and open them up. If not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the whole thing, um, 11 verses, and then uh, we'll just kind of, kind of outline 
David's kind of path through his forgiveness and then kind of um, take what we can out of it and apply it to our own lives. So Psalm 32 uh, is entitled, Blessed are the forgiven. So blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Will you pray with me? God, I just thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to study your word with this group of people, Lord. And I thank you that your word um, just tells us more about you, that we can learn from an example, the example of David, Lord, we can learn about um, how he dealt with his forgiveness and his guilt uh, and the path that he took. And Lord, um, how we can grow closer to you and really experience you through this story. So God, I just pray that you would um, just help me to communicate clearly. I pray that you would take the things that you've shown me uh, throughout this, this last week, Lord, and just um, make it something that we can take away, Lord, as we know that your word was not meant just to be studied, but to really um, transform our lives, God. So we just give you this time. We just pray that you would guide and direct it, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I said, the first thing we want to do is kind of go through David's story of forgiveness. And I kind of broke it down into five different parts. Uh, the first thing he starts off with is just what he experienced after being forgiven. He says, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Uh, the word for blessed here actually just means happy. It uh, means that, you know, happy is the person who, whose transgression is forgiven, uh, whose sin is covered, and whose, um, the Lord does not count his, his iniquity against him. And um, the one thing that I think really just catches me is the last sentence, or the last phrase, in whose spirit there is no deceit. The thing I take away from that is authenticity is required. When we come to God with our sin and we're seeking forgiveness, authenticity is required. Um, the best way I heard... Uh, authenticity described was, uh, for some of you, you know about a program that we did called the Worship School, and a speaker came in, and he said, uh, you want to be authentic? It's really simple. You tell the truth. And uh, it's really simple, but yet we find it so hard to do. But by telling the truth, in order to receive forgiveness, there can't be any deceit. You have to be honest with what you did. You have to admit that what you did was sin. You have to admit that you did it. Uh, and you have to admit that it was an offense against God. 
And without that, there could be no forgiveness because all we have to do is come before God in an authentic manner. Uh, we've all been a part. I'll, I'll use my son as an example. Um, he's four, so he'll forgive me, I hope. But a lot of times we're teaching him now to ask for forgiveness, to say I'm sorry. Um, and he's, he's got it down before he even opened my mouth. And I was, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I forgive you. It's not really authentic because he doesn't really know what he's doing. Um, to be authentic is to realize first and foremost that to be forgiven, you have to recognize that something that you did was wrong, that there was an offense that was committed and it has to be taken care of. Um, but if we're willing to do that, um, there is great happiness. And we'll get into that you know, a little bit uh, deeper in a bit. Um, so the first part is what David experienced after being forgiveness, and that was, um, this passage describes it as blessed or happiness. The second part is about his need for forgiveness. Um, and his word says, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. And so he realizes his need for forgiveness because David's not doing well right here. Um, he's got all sorts of effects of his sin. Um, he's got physical effects. His bones are wasted away. I don't know if any of us can, can recall a time where maybe we did something. And as long as we, we don't talk about it or we don't confess it or we don't really give it to the Lord, it just eats at us. You know, um, it's kind of funny how you, uh, you walk around like you're guilty. <laughs> uh, everything about you, people, even people that um, may not even know what's going on, they can, they can just see it on you. They can see that you're not doing good. It has a way of eating away at us physically, um, but also mentally. As it says, his bones wasted away through his groaning all day long. Um, David's very good with words. Uh, he's written lots of psalms for our instruction to, to praise and glorify God. Um, in this one, he's groaning. He's not using words. Um, because he has, he's harbored this sin, he's trying to, to cover it up, um, he's not thinking straight. And he, he doesn't have anything to say. All he does, he's just in this, this anguish all day long. Um, the next thing he says, For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength is dried up as by the heat of summer. And the thing that, uh, there's, there's two things, actually. Um, one, as we probably noticed, the sun started to come out. Anybody able to, to get out in the sun since it's been out in 65, 70? A few people. David. Um, imagine that. Um, when you're out in the sun, it has a way. I love being out in the sun, going out to the park with my family and everything, but I find that if I go out in the sun for one or two hours, um, I come back and I just want to go to sleep. Um, the sun has a way of, of taking away energy, but that's really a minor thing. The thing that really, um, to me, is tragic is for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. And I think this is the spiritual aspect of when we don't uh, confess our sin, when we hold on to things, when we try to hide our sin, because David's relationship with God is warped in this, in this um, time in his life when he's not confessing his sin you know, you can read through all the different psalms, and he talks about all the different characteristics of God, and, and even David is even known as a God after man's own, or, or a man after God's own heart. Um, 
But in this particular time, he, he doesn't feel that. All he feels is his hand is heavy upon him. That's all he sees. All he sees is just the, the wrath and um, what's coming and, and what he's having to go through. Um, so there's many effects of sin, um, and David describes his. The third part is the way he received forgiveness. And honestly, um, this part would be my whole sermon if I didn't have to go longer than five minutes. Because honestly, if this is the one thing that we take away, um, that's really what's important. And I kind of phrase this the way David received forgiveness. He says, I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. There's a pause after that statement, and I can really see why. Because if you read over that statement again, it has so many different parts of it, but that's all it took. David didn't have to, to work up anything. He didn't have to, to go take care of a bunch of things or do a bunch of things, um, do a week's worth of devotions or whatever it is. He acknowledged his sin and did not cover his iniquity. And the thing that's kind of interesting here is in verse 1, it says, blessed is the one whose sin is covered. And in verse 5, David says, I did not cover my iniquity. And obviously we can see there's two different types of covered. When God covers our sin, um, he doesn't count it against us. And it's, it's gone. He doesn't see us in light of our sin once we've confessed it to him. When we try to cover our sin, um, well, I'll use an, uh, an example from this afternoon. Um, Grayson, our four-year-old, loves to play hide-and-seek. Um, he's not good at it. Um, it goes one of two ways. Um, the one is he wants me to go hide, and then he never comes and finds me. <laughs> That's, uh, that's not really good. Um, but in relation to this, there are several times where he'll go hide. Um, I'll be in the same room. I'll be like, all right, I'm going to count. And he's like, okay. And he goes and hides behind the chair I'm sitting in. Or he goes and, you know, it's really cute. You see him, he's hiding at the blanket, and his feet are sticking out. You know, or, or anything like that. But the whole idea is that's, that's really what it's like. When we try to cover our own sin... That's the best we can do. We can go through um, examples throughout the Old Testament. We can go through examples in our own life of when we've tried to cover up our sin. It doesn't end well. And that's all we can do is try to hide it or mask it or deny it. Um, but then getting back to that authenticity, as soon as David acknowledged his sin, um, he was forgiven. And uh, just a couple of things on that. We can guess, and many people who have studied this passage longer than the week that I spent studying it, um, have come up with their own guesses of, of what sin might be referred to here. But the truth is we're not told. And I think the point is, is that sometimes we focus on what our sin is, and that's why we think we have to hide it. 
But the truth is, forgiveness is not contingent on the level or the what of my sin. The only sin that cannot be covered is the one that is not confessed. And so I think one of the reasons that we're not told what sin David is referring to is because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. All sin is an offense to God. Um, it all needs forgiven. It all can be forgiven. Uh, we're the ones who get, who get caught up in, well, this one's too big, or this one's... Not, now, granted, we know enough about David. This very well could be about what is referred to in Psalm 51 when he talks about, um, you know, he has an affair with another guy's wife, and then to cover that up, he has that guy killed and is in this whole pattern of denial. It very could be. I mean, the thing that we can know for sure is that David um, is speaking from experience. <laughs> he, he's not just talking. He, he is being authentic in the fact that we know enough of David that he understood that forgiveness is not contingent on the level or the exact specifics of what his sin was. Um, and he did understand that the only sin that cannot be covered is the one that is confessed. And so it, it begs the question for me to ask um, if that's true and if all David had to do was confess his sin and ask for that forgiveness, why did he keep silent? You know, and I think um, a lot of times when I start asking those questions, it's very humbling because usually the answer that I get is you don't really need to look further than yourself. Um, why, when I treat my, my wife in an unloving way or when I discipline my kids in a way that's not loving or when I do anything, why, why do I not want to uh, come quickly to God? If I know that he's going to forgive me, why, why do I keep silent? Why do I put myself through that process? And I think we all have our own reasons. Um, for me, I definitely have a, a flaw in me um, which is the way most of our flaws are. Sometimes our, our biggest flaws are our biggest strengths. Um, but I have a tendency to be very perfectionistic. And so a lot of the times, it's not so much of, of hiding the sin. It's more, I fall more into the category of, of denying that it happened. Or we don't understand. Like, I did this because I did this. Um, and the truth is, I could avoid that whole path, that whole cycle, that whole hours, days, weeks of whatever, of that broken relationship with whoever I've offended if I would have just come to God and come to them and ask for forgiveness. Um, but I think that if we could just follow that, we wouldn't really have a need to be here. <laughs> if there wasn't that inward struggle, if there wasn't that, um, that tension uh, if I forgive my sins, God will forgive me, but I'm keeping silent and putting myself through all this thing. Um, we wouldn't need to, to come together and encourage one another and continue to study God's word. Um, but in this way, we can definitely put ourselves into this story. And so I said, while we can guess, the specific sin here is not, not mentioned in detail because that's not the focus. Um, but one book, I'm going I'm to give a book plug here. Um, I feel like I can do that since it's, it's not, uh, not my book. 
But there's a book out there called The Songs of Jesus by Tim Keller. I would, I would highly recommend it. I was able to pick it up. It's basically a, a devotional based on the Psalms. And really the Psalms is the songs of Jesus. And the one thing that he said um, based on these first uh, five verses is, the happiest, most blessed people in the world are those who not only know they need to be deeply forgiven, but also have experienced it. And I think that all of us here in this room tonight can probably agree that we know that we deeply need forgiveness. Um, maybe you need to go back an hour <laughs> to realize your need for forgiveness. Uh, and it's going to depend on where, where you're at in life. But the bottom line is, is we all realize our deep need. But I guess the question I would ask tonight is, have we experienced it? And are we continuing to experience it? Uh, and we'll get into some of the different ways. Um, but I think it's a very powerful statement. And again, it goes back to the, uh, the authenticity. Um, I guess I'll share, I'll share another story that you may or may not know. Um, but just when it, it comes to really experiencing things, um, Baby Rue was um, born on March 10th, and we are, are so excited. Um, and we learn all sorts of lessons from our kids, don't we? You have kids? I know, I shouldn't be talking about parenting. I have a four-year-old. And um, I feel like I've, I've learned a lot. Um, but the story I want to talk about now is a lesson that I've, I think I learned or that God taught me from a child that never even entered our home. Um, and one of the reasons that I think that um, Rue kind of has me wrapped around her finger, one, I think that's a natural thing um, for a dad to, to be protective and, and loving over his daughter. But there was an experience that we went through as a family that I went through as a dad before Rue came. Um, Rue's birthday is on March 10th. Grayson's birthday is on March 16th. You could say that's poor planning. Um, and I'm pretty sure that as the years go on, I'll be convinced that it is. Um, but it was just another example of uh, basically throwing my plan out the window because we had planned to, to have a baby before God blessed us with Rue. And so um, my wife got pregnant, and we started the whole process. And I just had really made a decision. I felt like I was growing. I didn't even do this with Grayson uh, or when my wife was pregnant with Grayson. But with this baby, I just made a decision. You know what? Every night, I'm, I'm going to pray for this baby. I'm going to pray for God's protection, God's forgiveness over this baby. Um, just, I, mean, I knew I was supposed to do that, but I think there was, there was probably more in it. Um, but as God would see it, God would have it, um, I would be over in Seattle on a trip uh, with Brian. You guys know Brian? Um, if you don't, he's Pastor Ken's son. I've been years, uh, friends with him for over 10 years. And I'm sitting down having breakfast trying to talk about this potential thing that's going to happen or whatever. At the same time, my wife is texting me um, saying that, that she knew she lost the baby. And that was a gut check for me. I had known people who had experienced um, miscarriage before, 
and I, I tried to console them. I tried to, you know, do what I could do. Um, but what I found is that in that particular situation, people who haven't experienced that tend to say really stupid stuff <laughs> to you. Um, you could have people maybe at the doctor's office who say, well, the baby must have had a defect. To which I'm like, really? Does that change anything? Um, or, you know, this is, the, the Christian one I think is, is this is God's will. And I'm just like, okay. You know, those are, those are things that, you know, may be true. But the point, I guess, of this is, is not to um, get caught up in that. But the point is, I wasn't really able to understand and appreciate and have a full experience or understand fully what people go through until I went through it myself. Uh, and I, I could tell you the rest of the story. Um, basically, um, you talk about the inner tension. Like, God and I had several conversations after that happened. Because I think it's really easy to, to pray every day and do the things that you know that you're supposed to do. Um, but when something like that happens in your life, you're forced to answer some tough questions. You can't just go on. You can't just fake it and be like, oh, yeah, God has a plan. Like, and I'm, you know, we'll just forget about that. Forget the fact that I go home every night and my wife is crying. Um, God has a plan, honey. Like, just hang in there. You're forced to, to ask questions and I went back and forth. I mean, um, I can say God taught me a lot about um, and things in that process. And to this day, I, I've known some people who have gone through a similar or the same thing, and it really has changed the response that I give. You know, my response is usually, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to tell you it's going to be easy. Um, I'm not going to say a whole lot. What I am going to say is that you'll get through it. If you allow God to take you there. Because the one thing that I can say about going through that experience, I still don't understand why. Um, but I can tell you that going through that experience caused me to press into God. Caused me to, to ask some real questions, to to allow him to deal with some things in myself. And so, like I said, without getting off point, the whole idea of that is that if we take that and apply it to forgiveness, you can't fully appreciate what forgiveness means unless you fully experienced it. And I'm hoping that as we get through this that we'll be able to, to understand more of, of what that means and what that looks like. Um, so that's kind of David's journey. Um, the, the fourth part of his journey is kind of where, um, ironically, he, he spends kind of the most time on. And he says, therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. And I think the beautiful thing about this is this is where we start to see 
just the, the poetry and everything of David. This is where he starts to, to see God more of his character. You can see that, that um, view of God is no longer warped. He's now looking to him um, to be his, his source of security and safety. And then this next statement, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Again, going back to the whole idea of experience, um, while it was this one or not, we do know of a time where, where David took the, the path of more of the, the mule, where he, he didn't confess. You know, I, I don't know anything, or I don't know much. I, I Googled it. Uh, I don't know much about horses and mules. Um, I rode a couple horses. They, they treated me harshly, and so I'm not a, a big fan. Um, one decided to jump over a ditch when I was really, really young. And then uh, as I, I got older, I thought, okay, I can, I can ride the horse. And that one ran me into a fence. Um, granted, I'm not, I'm not an expert um, on horses. But the whole idea is, why do, you, why do you put the bit and the bridle on the horse? Is it because they enjoy it? You put it in there so that they do what you want them to do. It's more of a forceful thing. Um, and the bottom line is, you know, the New Testament tells us that, that God is not mocked. You know, he's not deceived by what we're doing. If we're, um, if we're just not going to come clean, if we're not going to confess our sin, like, God is sovereign. He, he can get us there. You know, in the story of, of David and Bathsheba, God used Nathan. David wasn't going there himself, so he brings Nathan along and says, like, this is where you need to go. Um, but what he's saying here in this psalm is, is, don't do that. Don't wait. Don't go through what I went through. Learn from my example. Trust that if you confess your sin, that God will forgive you. And don't, don't go through that crazy cycle. And... Uh, I think kind of it leads into that last statement. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. And the reason that the sorrows of the wicked are many is because they're not forgiven. Like we all have things. And the only thing that separates um, the wicked from the one who trusts in the Lord is really forgiveness. So kind of summarize that and encourage others to be quick to seek forgiveness. And that's what um, David really is aiming to do here. And then the last, the last part of this psalm is just one verse. It says, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Really what this is is an exhortation to praise the Lord. After everything he's gone through, and now his relationship with the Lord is restored, and now he is um, exhorting everyone to praise the Lord. And honestly, um, this is the right response to knowing and experiencing forgiveness. 
there's nothing to hide anymore. You know that you're, you're fully known, you're fully forgiven, and you can move on. And the natural, the, the right and correct response is worship. And so that's David's journey. And I think that there's some things that we can learn from David's journey. And kind of going back to that, that main point, uh, back in, in um, verse 5, forgiveness is possible for people who make an honest confession of their sin and believe that God alone is able to cover it. That's something that really um, needs to become real in all of us. And um, so just a few, a few applications that I'm hoping that we can take uh, away with us tonight as we study this passage. The first one is to, to be real about your need for God's forgiveness. Along with that, part of that is realizing that the biggest thing that we bring, the only thing that we can bring to God is our desperate need for him. And so... Don't wait. Be real. If there's stuff going on right now, um, if there's stuff maybe that people have, have done to you, um, be real about your need for forgiveness. Um, the second thing is be a receiver of God's forgiveness. It is possible to basically admit that um, we did something and take full responsibility of it. And at the same time, not be sorry for it. Or not accept the fact that, that God can cover that. And so again, going back to that experience thing, be a receiver of God's forgiveness. Um, and probably um, another restatement of that is found in the New Testament in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And like I said, if, if we take nothing away from tonight, I, I hope and pray that we are able to understand and fully apply that principle to our life, whether it, it's at home, at work, the neighbor, family, um, this is, is, is such an important thing. But once we have received God's forgiveness, another application is to be a representative of God's forgiveness. So after David experienced what he went through, that chaos and confusion, the distress, the turmoil, everything that went along with it, he confesses his sin finally. God forgives him. And now he's out there telling everyone, like, you guys, like, this is what you need to do. Like, learn from my example. Don't do what I did. Like, God is quick to forgive sins. All you have to do is confess. Just be real, confess, be honest. He'll forgive you. And the fourth thing is to continually rejoice in God's provision of forgiveness. And I think that kind of ties in with the fact that 
God's the one who provides forgiveness. God alone can forgive sins. Going back to that, that same analogy, it just, it's the funny picture, but it's so true. The only thing you and I can do is hide our sin. We can give it a different color, a different name, a different, but it's, it's still what it is. And God alone is the only one who can give forgiveness. And so worship, continue to rejoice. Don't ever let it get old. I think that's one of the most dangerous things that can happen, especially in my own home, is the idea of forgiveness can become old. It's not a new thing anymore. We want something new. We want that new way to grow deeper. Um, but this is, the scripture's pretty clear about how to deal with our sin. Um, so I want to go a little bit further with this, though. Uh, and it kind of, I was challenged again um, by Tim Keller's book, The Songs of Jesus, in his introduction, he talked about kind of why he did it, what the, the, the heart behind it was. And one thing that he said towards the end of the introduction was, most of all the Psalms, read in light of the entire Bible, bring us to Jesus. And so I started asking myself, you know, like, what's, what's the point? We can learn about forgiveness. We can learn about how happy I'll be if I, if I receive God's forgiveness, if, I, um, if I'm real about my need for his forgiveness, if I'm a representative, if I, if I rejoice in his forgiveness. But where's Jesus? And how does that bring me closer to Jesus? And uh, my wife will tell you that she probably doesn't know that this is what caused it, but she knows I've been a stress case. But I'm really challenged by that because it was once told to me that the thing that makes our message Christian is Jesus. I know lots of people that will agree with everything about everything that was set up to, up to this point. Forgiveness is good. Yeah, you need to forgive. You do, somebody, you do something wrong to someone, you need to go to them, you need to say you're sorry, you need to, you need to you know, extend forgiveness, you need to. A lot of people will agree with you. But what makes this message, this message Christian? And so this is kind of where, where things kind of hit home for me. A couple of statements. Jesus bought our forgiveness when he died on the cross. We can all agree with that? So, when we encourage others to seek forgiveness, we are really encouraging them to seek Jesus. I took a while to think about that. But the idea of those two tying together, start thinking of the idea of being an ambassador for forgiveness. I think you could look at David in this passage talking about he's an ambassador. He's a representative of forgiveness. He's been there. He's done that. And now he's telling other people, like, this is the way you go. And while David didn't have just the immense privilege, opportunity, whatever you want to call it, that, that we have 
of knowing that, that Jesus is the one who bought our forgiveness. They did believe in the Messiah was coming. And so the thing I want to ask us tonight, I, I don't want us to just say like, oh yeah, you know, it's a great story about David. But why is this important? And so I ask myself, I ask all of us, are you an ambassador for forgiveness? And another way of saying that is, are you encouraging others to seek Jesus? And to kind of see how those two relate and how they tie together, I kind of started, I went back to the initial four applications that um, I thought were applications. And I basically said, you know, if this, is, if this is real or if this is true, if we can actually make that connection, then we can put Jesus in those applications. And so as we go through those applications again, application number one, be real about your need for Jesus. If you, if we're not real with our need for Jesus, um, I don't know what to tell people. So be real about your need for Jesus. Application number two, be a receiver of Jesus. If you haven't received Jesus yet, don't go another day. Like, recognize, be real about your need for forgiveness and receive him. Um, if you've already received him, continue to do so. And I'm not saying that, say, you know, experience salvation again and again and again and again. Although when I was younger, um, I can't count the number of times that I, I, I prayed the sinner's prayer just, just to make sure. But be a receiver of Jesus. If we go back to application number three, be a representative of Jesus. Recognize that when you extend forgiveness, when, when you receive forgiveness and you extend forgiveness to others, when you encourage others for, to forgiveness, you're a representative of Jesus. Jesus was all about forgiveness. And this last one, I kind of just, this one, this one just gets me. Continually rejoice in God's provision of Jesus. Now, while we may not have had an affair, we may not have had someone killed, um, maybe we can't relate to David in that way. But we can relate to him in these ways. And so, very practically tonight, um, If God is speaking to you, I trust. You know, I told Mark, our sound guy back there, um, I didn't expect this week to go as it did. I first found out that I was going to be speaking tonight. God showed me very, very clearly that this is going to be the passage that I spoke on. Um, the hard part was knowing that this is what he had told me to spoke on, and I had no idea how I was going to do it. But I'm trusting that those of us who are here tonight, God's speaking to you with something that's said. 
And I think if we heed the advice of David, we'll be quick to go to Jesus with it. And not out of fear, not out of, I better do this or Pastor Ken's going to find out. But do it because forgiveness is there for the taking. Stop walking around with guilt. Stop walking around with shame. Stop walking around. There's the people in the illustration in the beginning who were like, I hope they never find out what I did. I hope they never find out what we're doing. That's not the way to be happy or blessed. So that's the challenge tonight. If you don't know Jesus, just be real about your need for him. He knows it. But be real about your need. Receive him. After you receive him, represent him in what you do and the way that you do things. And as you do that, as we're about to do in a minute, continually rejoice in the fact that God provided Jesus as a way to forgiveness. We aren't stuck where we're at. We aren't stuck in what we're doing because he provided Jesus to take care of all of that. God, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it speaks to us in a way that no other book can speak to us. It addresses the deepest parts of our hearts, Lord, and it doesn't do it in a way that um, hits us with a sledgehammer, Lord. It does it with the preciseness of a surgeon and just carefully addresses the things, and I just thank you um, for it. I thank you for the example that you've given us through David. Lord, I I just pray that... um, through this study, through going through David's example, Lord, that we would understand you more, we would see you more clearly. God, and it would make a difference. Lord, this isn't a lesson on just forgiveness, Lord. It's it's a lesson on, on becoming more like you. Lord, so I pray that as we as we close tonight. God, if there's things that need to be dealt with that are preventing us from rejoicing, Lord, may we just take these few moments before you or maybe with with someone that we can with and deal with that. God, but if if we find ourselves and there's, there's nothing that you're bringing to mind, Lord, may we just use this next moment just to rejoice in absolute freedom, Lord, absolute awe and wonder and, and thankfulness that you have Um, that we are forgiven because you provided Jesus. We just thank you. Ask in Jesus' name. Amen.